Everybody and welcome to another episode of the Talk Music Podcast. Recently, I had some of the most fun I've had in years, along with a glass of wine or two, as this guest and I go way back to when I hired him as my first employee at my label Hypnotic many, many moons ago. After close to 10 years of working together, he left and after a few years of freelancing at other studios, opened up his own with two partners and the studio became, and still is, one of the best in the world. With an incredible list of some of the world's biggest stars who have either recorded or mixed there, like Drake, Amy Winehouse, The Weeknd, Nelly Furtado, Tragically Hip, Rush, and Madonna, to mention a few, the studio is the Orange Lounge in downtown Toronto, and my guest is Darren Barry, the co-owner. And he's a super nice guy who I was so fortunate to have as my right-hand person for so many years. Hi, Darren. Welcome to the Talk Music Podcast. And wow, you know, this is so cool doing this with a, uh, a nice glass of beer here in my <laughs> hand from your wonderful home base, which is the Orange Lounge Recording Facility in downtown Toronto. And we will go deep on how that all came together for you coming up in a few minutes. But first of all, I want to reiterate how thrilling it is for me to sit in this great studio with a beautiful vibe. And, uh, you know, it just brings back so many memories for me. As you know, I've worked in many great studios around the world as a producer, including having one of my own, which we'll get into. Mm -hmm. But this place is magical. Like, I'm just sitting here and going, well, can I record here tonight? Like, I wish I had my, my band together come again. On. Like, come on in, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, sure. No, it's really, uh, you know, just walking around out, out in the... Um, the recording area there, it's just, uh, it's got that sort of, wow, you know, magic vibe with all the cool lighting I see you have set up and... Uh, uh, maybe maybe a few pointers that you, you got from me years ago. <laughs> no, for and sure, we're, we'll get into that too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let me just have another another zip mm -hmm. here in my beer, and yep. um, why don't we why don't we have a little game here and pretend this is a time machine for a while, and we'll <laughs> we're gonna go back to back to the eighties. Good. Uh, thanks thanks for having me on. Um, you know, in the eighties, we were both dreaming of becoming lifers in the music, and and. Here you are. You know what? Uh, you're there. I'm here. I'm rocking the mic. You're rocking the, the studio here. So. Uh, you know, I often get up in the morning and I go, how lucky am I? I've been in the music biz my entire life. Yep. I'm sitting here with you. I get a chance to, you know, hang out still with people that I met in the business when I was doing my thing. And uh, uh, I'm just so grateful and blessed that um, I was able to follow a passion. Oh, that, that's the thing. Like, like I didn't learn that till a little later after I went to business school. Yeah. But, you know, to have a, a, a real purpose, to get out of bed every day mm -hmm. and, and a passion, it feels like you're, you're not working ever. No, exactly. That's, that's why, but that's also, why I think, why time goes by so fast. You're like, what do you mean 30 <laughs> years went by? <laughs> I was working, you know. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into where, where that well, 30 sure. years went because uh, <laughs> we spent a number of years together. It was like 10-ish so. at least, yeah. Well, let's, let's go back to uh, let the listeners know who are wondering, how do we know each other, actually? So well, Okay, so basically, mm -hmm. uh, I... I went to a recording school. Yeah. Uh, and Gary and you gave me an internship. I came in for an interview, and it's hilarious because <laughs> I thought it was like a. It's I had coming never, back to me now. Yes. Okay. I had never spent you know a lot of time in recording studios. I, as a player, I did a little bit, mm -hmm. but never you know that. And I was terrified. 
and I wore like fancy pants and a dress shirt, and I came in. I think I remember. Yeah, yeah. And, and you were like, <laughs> "Why are you wearing a dress shirt? <laughs> what are you? What is this? Not a job? You were too prim and proper looking. Bank teller, you know." And, uh, but you must have had wild hair or something. I those. did have goofy haircut. You, yeah, okay. But the but the uh, no, but you guys gave me a shot. Yep. And I mean, to me, without that, I would have never got anywhere. So, well, you know, uh, it's coming back to me now that um, when the hypnotic label, uh, I, I was fortunate enough to be able to run with. Uh, I think it was A and M at that time. Yes. I was looking for employees, and I think you were actually, were you my actual first employee? I, I think so, yeah. Yeah, because I, I interned for a while, you know, yeah. until you realized I wasn't like a total joker, <laughs> and they said, okay, yeah, you can come work here. Okay, I, I, I'm starting to remember more now. So then uh, I opened up the hypnotic studio because it right. made you sense the, the other side, yeah. to uh, link the two, uh, studio and the label together, which actually was a really good idea. <laughs> and... Um, I felt like that would be sort of a cool place for bands to, uh, you know, take their time and make records properly. And of course, yep. you had come out of a recording school and were eager. E oh, eager I was hundred percent. No, that, well, that was the thing. And I mean, sadly, it's kind of still the same. Like I'm still here at like eight thirty in the morning, and I usually go home at eleven at night. Oh, I didn't know that. No, because okay. no, because I still love it. Oh, okay. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Well, it's not. Yeah, like I said, back to what we just said. It's not ever really felt like a job to me either. No, really. No. I mean, those days, I, I will say the hypnotic days were the funnest, at least for me, because, you know, the the, the learning curve is like logarithmic. Like Gary, yeah. you know, and you helped me learn a lot fast. Yeah, thanks. You know, and you get opportunities that you would have never gotten, you know, if you're working somewhere else. And, you know, you get thrown in the room yep. when somebody's sick or whatever, and it's like, yep. can you do this? And you're like, I don't know. I'm terrified, but I'll try. Well, you know, um, you, you, you were so... Um eager and talented and in other ways I found because besides being a studio engineer I think you ended up wearing like many many hats with me yeah correct me if I'm wrong but you were studio manager yep I think I gave you an A&R title too after yeah, a while at one point yeah <laughs> right. to no. help me out because it was just you know like you're, oh, you're yeah. helping sign bands too with me yep, and stuff yep, yep. so you're doing production I think maybe you even fixed the odd mic here and there and I, I was doing that yeah and I was I'm like well that's almost you know we can get into you know what I do here but sure a lot of it is organizational and management and all Absolutely. that other stuff but I was I was always pretty good at that because of the all the business school training I had. That's right. But uh, yeah, and, and some people have say I lacked a little bit in the details, and I'm and I'm okay with that. <laughs> no, I'm that's okay with that's that. my job, right? So <laughs> right. I, I was happy with that. But also to to get a chance, you know, and get the opportunity to record those bands because I, I was not, you know, out hustling, you know, finding bands and stuff. No, so and that's guys, why I gave you the that that title as an A and R later. Yeah. Is I think you you know you sort of graduated to the level where I think you're either you learned enough for me to also appreciate what a what a good signing would I'm be pretty sure that and you true. were i know you recommended some some bands to me for sure and yep. you were you got involved in that so i also have to mention you know and I'm, i know you're going to agree about this i really really miss the office as i think our our, oh, our yeah. office was killing it now it was crushing it it, it was crushing it was right on the top oh, it floor would be, it would be twenty thousand dollars a month now <laughs> i think so but no it was on the ninth floor of the 96 Bedina. yep and it's it's funny because you know yep. my studio is only a few hundred yards away from there mm -hmm. and i still ride by there a couple of times a week and i'm like uh you the know top, well, like let's, let's, let's picture it for everybody it was the top floor high ceilings uh, picture windows like large, oh huge, and the Rogers uh, building in the distance yeah. with the waterfront. Yeah, and also yeah that, and you also had the CN Tower right there, and <laughs> also right. we had access to the whole roof. 
That's that we right. were able to go up. Yeah, yeah. And, we used to go up you know, there. And you know, have smoke a joint or whatever. Yeah, yeah. whatever in, in yeah. the summertime and stuff. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. no, and of course, all the artists loved that too. Oh, they did. You know, they were and, sold as soon as they walked in. Oh, 100%. <laughs> no, and the studio had a great vibe. Well, yeah, let's let's talk about that for a second because, uh, uh, the, yeah, the building itself was super old, creaky mm-hmm. elevators. So, oh, yeah. you know what? The vibe of even walking into the building, you go up the creaky elevator and there you are in the wood floors and then you go into this really nice wood floored room. Yeah. Uh, again, the studio was, uh, what do you want to call it? Funky in the sense of um, it had it had a certain vo- certain vibe to it. it wasn't too big too small it was mm-hmm. sort of nice in, in between size the recording room itself had nice wood oh, floors yeah, yeah and as a matter of fact we had great drum sounds well, it sounded good out. yeah like, it was really, a good sound yeah room. we had good good stuff coming out of there and you know what uh, what else that I still remember I mean, we're gonna get the recording part in a second but. We had some amazing parties up there too. Remember the oh, New Year's Eve party? There was a lot of good times, you know, and you know, but there was tons of work and tons of play. There was, you know, there was. And, but we earned it though. We oh, hundred percent. But that, that place still, to me, well, that's why I learned about vibe. I think for me, I wanted to always make it. So, what would I like if I come in here as a, as an artist? As yeah. an artist, and I always would like maybe unique kind of uh, lamps that you wouldn't buy at IKEA. Mm-hmm. Let's say, yeah. Low, low uh, bulbs, of course, you know, yeah. nothing too bright. For sure. Um, and I always appreciated, uh, and I know you have the same kind of stuff going on here, the nice rugs, whether oh, yeah. Oriental yeah. Or, yeah. or Persian or whatever yeah, yeah. kind. Mm-hmm. That, that, that automatically, you know, well, it lifts takes, things up. It takes you out of, you know, your regular day Absolutely. mindset and uh, puts you into hopefully a, crea- a creative space. Absolutely. So yeah, so I, I worked hard on that kind of stuff, and I yes, think you did. most most <laughs> most bands I think acknowledged it and appreciated it because at the end of the day, a studio is a studio. You do have to have to offer something besides equipment. Hundred percent. Yeah, that, that's as you as you know, and we'll get into we'll get deeper into your your for sure. Whole, no, your but whole. any any joker can go out and spend a lot of money on equipment, but that doesn't mean that people are going to go to your studio or be a return client and love it. No, that's right. Or perform well there. Exactly. Okay, so so Darren, you were obviously the head engineer until you graduated to production, and you yeah, and you did you did you did some production work I later did. on. But yeah, yeah. the reason I'm I'm saying that is because you you really had a chance to work closely with some very cool artists. Oh yeah. And let's go. Let's let's be honest. It was all genres. We had everything in there. <laughs> it's it's true. No, we had like it was from like folk music yep. all the way to like heavy metal. What are some of your fondest memories actually hanging out in the studio like um i i think you were probably clocking in at about 100 hours a week any <laughs> any special sessions come to mind oh, uh, for, oh for sure um like yeah. the i mean a lot of the ones that were the most special to me were the ones where i wasn't running it i was an assistant or right. i was you know the engineer or whatever yes i, I remember um the first big sugar record mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that you know i knew them a little bit from yep. living down on queen street here yep and you know i i knew that they were huge but i was like no one's gonna sign this it's too eclectic mm-hmm. you know and then you did and mm-hmm. then i got i got to be like the t-boy or you know the assistant on it and i was mm-hmm. just like oh my god this is gonna be huge you know and eventually it was yeah, eventually it was i ain't got nothing on my plane But generally speaking, 
it's such a different game now in that back then, mm-hmm. like you would spend four weeks, eight weeks, mm-hmm. three months with an artist. Yes. You know, so you got to know them, yep. you know, really well, yep. personally, professionally, whatever. Mm-hmm. So you, you had a relationship with them. Absolutely. And that was, that was the funnest part, like kind of getting to know everybody. Cause after a while you kind of figure out, you know, why some of them are successful and some of them aren't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you see the work ethic and the amount of, you know, yep. just effort it takes to make good music. It was a good learning thing for me. Yeah. I mean, one of the the interesting things that happened from my end, and you you, you were okay with this, is uh, eventually Hypnotic became like uh, the home of metal and hard rock. Oh, 100%. And it, and it was kind of like I was being called the king of metal in those oh, you days. Were. And I had shirts with like... 20 bands, you know, that know, I'd but, signed on, but, you know, no, all, all hard rock and metal. And no, you was, were the place to go for that. It was super cool for me to be involved in that because, um, till this day, I've, I love hard rock and, and, me and metal. And I, I still, <laughs> me too. you know, actually, I still dabble in it. So the funny thing is that, um, you know, not only did I have, uh, some success with some of the, the bands, but in the beginning, I was actually laughed at. I had a the band Anvil on. <laughs> I remember. And, I remember Lips coming into our office and smelling like fucking fish. Oh, yeah. No, because he, he delivered. That, because that he was, was his day job. Fish to stores, yeah. and he'd actually said to me, uh, I remember him saying, Tom, can I park downstairs? Like, my fish truck is down, <laughs> downstairs, and I'm worried about getting a ticket. And I remember having to rush through a conversation with him yeah. while he smelled like fish. Yeah. Oh, and, no. and then thinking to myself, okay, boy, this guy wants it real bad. Oh, and, yeah. of course, as I kept working with, with them and, you know, putting out album after album, you know, when the, when the documentary came out, oh, which the name escapes me, finally blew up around the world, people kind of went, oh, that's not the same anvil, that the same oh, yeah. lips who was selling fish with. That's, yeah. come on. No, but I, I mean, that I, was great a, for them. That was the greatest that was great. thing that could have happened to them. The greatest thing, and it sort of justified my sort of interest, time yeah. and interest that I put into them because... As crazy as it sounds, they were actually doing quite well in certain countries around the world. Oh, yeah. And that also taught me that the foreign market is key. Oh, yeah. Well, you were, you know, you yeah, were and I was, before I, I was everybody. That. I was yeah. going to meet them every year, you know, and hanging out and socializing with people and going, wait a sec, pinch me. I'm in the I'm in the Riviera <laughs> doing a deal for Japan with Anvil. And they're laughing at me when I go back and go, oh, you're totally. flogging yeah. Anvil? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, of course, I'd get a huge check and I'd give the band their share. And, 100%, uh, yeah. And next thing you know, the documentary comes out and people stop laughing. But, you but know, those th- guys that, were, that was one of the high points for oh, me. Oh, for sure. Those guys were like real metalheads in a good way. Yeah, Like they sure. were lifers. lifers. So it, it was really fun, yep. you know, to get to, to work with them because like they were never kidding. You know, they always thought it was 100% serious. Yep. And, you know, whether they had day jobs or whatever they were doing... They were still a rock band at night, and good know? for them. They're still out there touring their ass off, and they will till till they go 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 down one day. You know, they're so. going to be out there on a the stage somewhere. You know, I hope that good for uh, them. I hope that's but that's a great go. story, and I love talking about them because it's it's perseverance that paid off for them, and, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. being be having a, a no uh, because we'll you're call right. Call it a lucky break in a sense when when they they hooked up with the the director did the, the documentary, but, but but you're right in that like you know they were not well received in Canada not at all you know not so like you're saying I, I'm signing Anvil people are going well, I always are you international and you know I'm going to go back to the big sugar thing for a second yep. because you touched on it and I, I'm glad you did that that was another special moment for oh, me God, yeah. because I remember 
not only signing them, but also having the good fortune to get them to record in the studio. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I'm going to pat myself on the back <laughs> for this just because when they did their first album, I just thought to myself, well, I should maybe try to make the studio like they're doing a live show because I'd seen oh, you, Gordy which, and which you did. in a small yeah, club that, somewhere. That's the and I remember setting up tables and chairs and it was Tom oh, Rogers. I remember. Uh, yeah. uh, who's still around somewhere. Hi, Tom. He's, he's in L.A. now. He's, okay. He's, he's still got a studio down there. He's doing well. That's great. But he came in to do the to, to the, the recording, and I remember setting all the uh, the tables and chairs up like a club. Yeah. You know, we just had to be quiet as mice sitting around, you know, nobody could clink their beer glasses too loud. And uh, all of a sudden, the album turned out great, you know, because we had the Sonics oh, together yeah. with the room, and Tom yeah. Tom did a great job as yeah. well. No, it, it actually, yeah. I, I listened to that just, you know, before you came over. We reconnected a few months ago, and yeah. I listened to a couple of the things from that era, mm-hmm. and I heard that one. I haven't heard it in decades, yep. and I was like, wow, that's a magic record, because it really yeah. does sound like that room. I said early in the morning about the break of day. That's it sounds right. like you're in that's the room right. yeah. in the band. Yeah. Yes, and your place sounds exactly the same way that that's why you've been successful as well which we're going to get to in a, in a minute we're going to go deeper but again both of us also know the power of a great room oh yeah you know the ceilings got to be high but oh, not yeah. mid necessarily too high but high right. enough mm-hmm. then sometimes rooms don't have to be configured perfectly there's or, just magic yeah. in them or acoustically treated whatever you're right. just going you, sometimes yeah, they just work they just work because yeah. frankly my room the hypnotic room i didn't pay oh, any no. money to have oh, that, no. that was up. not that was not a crazy build <laughs> no. i remember i remember no. meeting the guy who built it later and he was like yeah something was great about that it just <laughs> sounded great and i mean for for the the drums of that era, yeah, like it was hard to beat. I remember when I when I when I wasn't there anymore, and I would go to other rooms. Yeah, I would think I was pretty good at engineering drums, <laughs> and I'd be like, "What's happening? Yeah, yeah, it sounds I terrible." Know. I know. Well, that that is one secret: have a great recording room. Oh, so for sure. We'll talk about that a bit later too. So, <laughs> you know, what another another special band that I w- I felt really great about being associated with. I think you're going to probably guess who it is. Metal, hard rock, not. Voivod? We've already talked about Anvil, Voivod. Voivod, yeah, really special. Well, they're like wizards. They're like uh, yeah, a subgenre uh, all onto their own. Yeah. I mean, that was a time when they were a bit down and out, and I was fortunate For sure. to, to grab them. And I'm gonna. I'd like to think I helped them out because I think you re- needed, revitalized their help. career for sure. Yeah, I, I I'd like to think I did, and. You know, the band is still going and yep. they're revered around the world. And I, I'm so proud of that era and being associated with them. And of course, you worked on uh, at least one I of did, the albums. If I not did two. Megatron and. Wolf. Yeah, and I think you actually got credited as producer on that with Alfie. Yeah, I produced that one. Yeah, yeah. so there, there's. That's and then a there, was, there, was, there was one uh, after right, that. That's a fantastic more like, feather in the cap for you. It was nice. And it's funny because some of the younger guys who work for me who are actually metalheads. Yes. Like they don't really know what I do all day, and yep. uh, but the, you know, eventually they find out some of the past stuff, and they're like, "You did Voivod? Oh my! You must be really good." And you're like, "What about all the other stuff I do?" You're like, <laughs> right. No, but like, I mean, for for metalheads, that kind that's, of a band, though, as soon as you say you work with Voivod, you have credibility. Hundred percent, hundred percent. No yeah. matter, no matter. Oh, you did the album cover? No, sorry, Michelle <laughs> Langevin did the album cover, but yeah. sorry, I won't go there. But let's say you did the mastering for Voivod. Oh, anything. For sure. No, but it, it is uh, like assistant engineer. Hundred percent doesn't like, matter. The whole metal community is like a very they're in their own lane yes and right. you know they they it's amazing to me like like the accolades you get from going really 
I don't recall that. No, like, I you know. did that. That's incredible. And you know what? Those those albums, even the ones on the hypnotic label, which were two plus a um, uh, another EP I released, they've stood the test of time. And there's more and more people discovering them. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 till this day, that those are what I call classic records yeah. that will stand well, it was, the test of time. I think time. it was Negatron and Phobos. Phobos, like yeah. Rob those, did those that two, one. Yeah. yeah. Yes, and uh, so here's here's a funny one I'm going to mention, and because uh, I. I think we had Harlan Williams record in there and Jim Carrey, oh, if I'm not mistaken. That's 100% true. Did they both come in? Oh, yeah. Or, or am I no, dreaming? And no, I saw no, them that, in there. That, that did happen. And I, and I was like, it was way late at night. <laughs> yep. And so I was like the junior guy, and yep. everyone was like, can you just do this? <laughs> just do this. Who <laughs> are these two clowns? Yeah, and I was in? like, ah. Because you know. there were nobody in those days, right? Oh, no. they Like, both of them were nobodies. And, you know, but I was the new guy. So mm -hmm. I was like, I did the gig. And, and it was in the closet room we had, right? Yeah, it was in the small Studio B. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, for me, it was like I was still learning and I didn't know how to record dialogue or whatever. It's like, oh, oh, oh you know, no, try, yeah. trying to do a good job. And, um, but it was, it was, it was really interesting. You no, know? Di no, no, I, didn't Jim carry stiff us at the end? Or was yes. It? Yeah. yeah he, he didn't did. pay us. <laughs> okay. Hi, Jim. Jim. If you're listening, which I know you're not, <laughs> yeah. but it's about 600 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> 600 bucks US, please. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, but it, I mean, th those were pretty fun because, like, I didn't know anything about that kind of world. You're like, no, going, but it's so fun to think think back that Jim Carrey also was just struggling and trying to make make a buck. Yeah, was trying to make a small club, yeah. ma making rent, and there he is showing up at our place. We did have a great location, to be honest. I think James, like brought, you do, like yeah, this is outstanding. But I think James brought him in. Uh, James B. James B. Oh, I that's think they right. were yeah, they were pals, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah. somehow because right. he was hooked up in all the comedy world. Yes. Speaking of people who are killing it, James yes. B. He's he just doing fantastic. He's, oh, he's doing, he's doing I know. incredible. He runs, a, he runs half the he's city. Cuba, like <laughs> oh, I know. That guy, good for he's him. Doing fantastic. He, he was always the, like the hardest working I guy know. in the room. So Don't forget the look people either. 100%. Yeah. We recorded some of that, but the, some of that. I did. Too. I did. You did the. the I think I did one. Bugasm, yeah. and I did the one after. That, that. was tremendous fun. Oh, yeah. Holy shit! No, I well, they were that. crazy players. Too. Crazy, crazy. And you got also. Yeah, we were ahead of our time with that. But Kevin Hearn, you know, he's in the yep. ladies now. He's got yep. his own career. Yep. Like, he's he's killing it, Kevin's too. Kevin's wonderful, yeah. So There's so many great times that I could, <laughs> I could be go, here for three hours. Go for, yeah. for, for, for hours. I just want to thank you for hanging in there with me for all those years. And, you know, there were some ups and downs. I mean, let's sure. face it, owning a studio, as you <laughs> saw when you probably saw the, some of the bills that my wife and I were looking oh, at, yeah. you'd probably go, well, how are you paying that this month? <laughs> yeah, I'm still there. Just, yeah. No, yeah. Because the business is so up and down, and there were months where I, I was going, "Well, this is fucking the best business ever." And then oh, the opposite. And other months you're like going, "I can't later. pay my mortgage." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, so that's why I have to apologize now for the I'm going to call it minuscule salary that I probably paid you. I can't remember no, what it was, but, but we I, won't go there. I totally understand. It. Like now, now especially I did feel guilty a couple I know, of times. But that, now that I am an employer, <laughs> yeah, you know, I like I also do. You know, I try I try to treat my people the best I can, but they also don't. You know, yeah. Like, it's a different world when you're on the other side where I was it then. Is, you're it going, is. But I'm doing a great job. That's probably a really good way to segue out of the hypnotic world into the world that you took on. And sure. to be honest, I should have stayed more in touch with you, and I didn't. We're so bad. I'm, I'm going to be really that. excited to, to, to hear 
you know, where you went. But, you know, maybe maybe let's not go there just yet. I'm a little bit curious. Let's dig into your childhood for a bit. Uh-oh. Because <laughs> I, I, I don't even think I ever asked you that personally, where, yep. that kind of stuff. So where did you grow up and what were you like as a kid? So I, I, I was born in Montreal, but I only lived there for five years. Okay. And then we moved to Mississauga, and I lived there for a bunch of while. Okay. And then we moved to Scarborough, and that's what I stayed there till I was in my early 20s. Okay. And... And when did when did music start resonating for oh, you as a well, kid? Right? I, like, I, I was really lucky... Early on? Yeah. Okay. I, I was lucky I had an older brother, my mm-hmm. brother Michael, yes. who's four years older than me. Mm-hmm. And so when I was 10 or 11, sure. you know, he... he you know, back in the old days, he bought a stereo, oh, you know, and he had like, deal. and he had headphones and, you know, oh, so nice. he allowed me to, you know, if I knew how to clean the records properly and mm-hmm. do everything right, mm-hmm. he allowed me to listen to records. Okay. And that was a great deal of fun. And what but, were your musical influences when you were growing up? Let's say between 10 and 15 or, or so. Or well, I, I started with, you know, my father's, of course, because he was in charge of the stereo before my brother got one. Right. So there was a lot of country music okay. and there was a lot of... Um, okay. Through your brother, you were turned on to more... To hard rock. To hard rock. Oh, yeah. My brother, like, still is. Okay. He'll he'll send me... Would that be Deep Purple and stuff like that? 100%. He he would seriously... And he still does. It's funny. If I go upstairs right now, there'll be an email from him going, check this out! (laughs) Really? Oh, yeah. And it'll it'll be like... That's so cool. He's almost more passionate than me about music. Wow. And I remember the best thing I ever did for him. I Mm -hmm. think I was in grade six. It was his birthday. Yeah. And I went out... And, you know, he gave me a whole list of records that mm-hmm. he would like. Because yep. back then, of course, records yep. were expensive, and I just had a paper route. And I remember buying Van Halen 1 yep. and Pat Travers, whatever the one that oh, it, he's on fire. Those cool. are the two records that I could afford. And, you know, going home and listening to those, you're like, this is the greatest thing ever. I want right. to do this for a living. Okay, so th- those were influential albums for you. And oh, what yeah. about... Um, were you already interested in how those records were made as a kid, or did that come oh, later yeah. on? Yeah, I, I was kind of like going, "Oh, how do you how do well, you get those sounds?" And to stuff? me, at least, once you put the headphones on, mm-hmm. like I, I became like obsessed. A lot of times with 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 vocal production and stuff of that nature, and of course, I was a guitar. I started playing guitar earlier when I was about eight or nine, mm-hmm. and I sucked. And I don't, still don't think I'm that good, but <laughs> but you know at least I enjoyed it. Yeah, but well, um, at least you know the basics. Get guitar, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. that's but, okay. But the uh, and that, then, and how about engineers? Were you so were you like sonically really curious? Oh yeah. Okay. So I, I you know back in those days we had the you know little four track studios, the Porter yeah. Studios. Yeah. So I you know saved up my money and I bought one of those when I was about twelve. Mm-hmm. You know, and I started. You know, I got a, I bought a drum machine and I started doing all that stuff. You know, in in my parents' basement. Right. And you know I wasn't very good at it, but mm-hmm. it was still really rewarding. Yep. And so I got into that, and I didn't I didn't really understand the studio thing okay. until when I was playing, and then we we got to go to into a real studio, and it was it was funny. It was Doug McClement's place over at Comfort Sound. Oh, got it. Yeah, yeah, of course. And you know, like I'd be out on the floor and mm-hmm. hearing the sound, and be like, "This doesn't sound very good." And then you'd go in the control room and go, "This sounds amazing." <laughs> right. So I, I it was imme- also blasting in the yeah. control room. With but the I big immediately speakers. was like, yeah. "Going, I want to know." Like I want to learn how to do this. Okay, you so know? it was pretty immediate. Like once oh, you yeah. get in the studio, oh, okay. Almost now, the first time now, I was ever time, in the were studio. You, were you thinking, thinking more as an artist, or were you, already, were you thinking already? Oh, I might want to be behind the scenes. I love what's going on here. I, what, as, as soon as I experienced the studio thing for the first time, I was like, so I can either 
be in the back of a van and driving across Canada all the time, mm-hmm. or I can do this. Because it, it seemed like, at least for me, at the time, it seemed like alchemy. Because I could hear the drums in the room, yeah. and then I'd go into the control room and be like, that sounds like a record. Right. You know, so to me, it, it was, I okay. didn't know what they were doing. I didn't know how, but I wanted to learn. Okay, so you, you knew it was magical, and it hooked you right in. 100%. And you knew that probably as an artist, you were that wasn't going to be your thing. No. But you sort of... Felt like, wow, is there a job out there doing this kind of stuff? Yeah, okay. no, I, I was I was immediately hooked, and I also I always thought, you know, I'm an okay player, you know, I'm not I'm an okay songwriter, right? You know, and you and, probably realized okay isn't going to cut it. Oh no, and I, I thought that you know this could be something that I I could you know be good at. Okay, you know, for the next n- number of years, I you know hacked around in my basement and got better at it. Now, what about your par- parents? Were they? I'm <laughs> sorry to go there, but was yeah. that a sore point? They were, they... they were not supportive. No. Not supportive. Oh, no. No. Uh, that, that's why I ended oh. up in, in business school. Oh. So I, I, that's why I have a degree so in economics and all that stuff. So you to follow and be a producer oh, and engineer, they're kind of like, they were just like well, No, they were just like, no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> and, um, oh, that directly, no. No, so that, okay. was, that was part of the deal was basically oh. if I wanted to take a shot at that, I had to agree to get a, a degree oh, in something. That's interesting. To fall back on okay. when I failed. And, you know, I, I wasn't I wasn't angry about that because, you know, it made some common sense. Right. But so I did that. Okay. Then, then I was allowed to go to recording school. Okay. So let's <laughs> go there. So then you're, how old are you when you're going to recording school? I was old. I was 20 uh, 23, 24. 23? Okay. Maybe? That's more older than usual probably oh, at for that sure. time. Yeah. Well, I had already, you know, spent five years in university. <laughs> oh, I yeah. forgot. Yeah, that's right. You already had the degree. You already qualified yeah. to be what, an accountant or something? Yeah, to be an egghead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. All right. So there you are at Harris. And then we, you segued and we already talked about your days at Hypnotic. So mm-hmm. let's go back to, if I remember correctly, I saw the writing on the wall and... Things were changing in the sense of I remember having to sell my 24-track tape machine oh, yeah, for like three grand, and I think I'd spent 23 grand buying oh, it. Oh, yeah. And everybody was starting to use home studios and stuff, and, and people were coming into and, the studio. Yeah. Oh, Tom, you know, I want to come into the studio. I'll go, great. Well, can I book you in for three weeks? I was thinking of coming in eight hours tomorrow <laughs> and yep. just doing our drums there. And yeah. I don't have any money to go further. Yeah, yeah. So I, my wife and I, I think, looked at each other and went, hmm, maybe it's time to get out. But then you went on your own, and I, you know, we have a lot to go through here. Because <laughs> uh, so, we're, you know, take it take it away. Where did you go after you left my place? Well, after after your place, like I I went freelance for you know four or five years. Okay, so I was, what do you mean uh, by freelance? I was producing just uh, like whatever okay, I could, wherever I could, all over town. Like yeah, in, in, and all, so, sometimes good, sometimes bad. But okay. you know, like all kinds of music, whatever. But it's still the the, the fun thing is, you know, again. You mm-hmm. get up every day and you're like, yeah, yep. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to the studio wherever it was, yep. you know, making records. So I did that for a while. Okay. And then yep. it's, it's, it's interesting. Alfio, yes. my good friend and yes. the guy who worked for you for a long time, he did, was working at a studio up north in, of Toronto okay. in Downsview or somewhere. Okay. And back in the day, like you couldn't, you couldn't have a setup like this. Like you couldn't have it, like an SSL was $400,000. It so was. You're going, I could buy a house or an SSL. It was prohibitive, the cost, yes. So there was a fella up there who had a, a studio with a small SSL. Uh-huh. And I was like, I think I can market this because, you know, I like to mix on these things and I have mm-hmm. a lot of work. So mm-hmm. I went up there, met the guy, did some work and did some stuff and mm-hmm. mixed some records up there. And I was yeah. like, this is good. I would like to run this place. Okay, so, so you got the studio bug kind of, so, like where yeah. you wanted to be an owner, owner yourself. Uh, well, I, kinda. Like, I think, or you were thinking about it. Yeah, but at least for me, 
kind of bouncing around when you're at a different studio every yeah. week. Yeah. And like, you know, it, it, it's challenging because, right. you know, you're... You, okay, so you were just thinking... If I'm this busy, why can't I also, you know, use my own business yeah. coming in to pay for totally. having my own place? Yeah. So I, I, I ran that place up there for a couple of years, and it was a good shop. And okay, the, so you ran the place like yeah. a studio manager I ran that well. for a while, and I learned a so lot So you worked there. there and managed the place? Yes. Okay, cool. And um, it was it was a good studio, and yeah. um, but I learned a lot about, mm-hmm. business, about the business sure. and all the other stuff. And then, you know, after a while, I was recording a bunch of stuff for one of my new business partners here, Aubrey Winfield, who's a great guy. And he, mm-hmm. I was mixing some records for him, and he mm-hmm. said, you know, we're going to be starting a label downtown. Do you want you, you interested in that? And I was like, yes, I am. Oh. And so basically this this initially was a label. Well, I didn't know that no, story. No, there was, there was a so-so studio here. Okay. And it was a label. And um, so they, they signed a bunch of artists. So you realized, Darren, that you needed a financial partner and, a, a, you know, you couldn't do it on your own. It's oh, just too, no way. And too also, overwhelming. Yeah. What, what, I've, what I have learned over the years as far as partnership and stuff, what, what is the way to go is if you all have the same skill set, it doesn't work. No. You have to have people who are good at different things. And, you know, I'm good at That's management point, and organization. Actually. Yes. And, you know, other people are good at, you know, sales, you know, marketing, all yep. that other stuff. And A&R, you You're know. Right. Okay, so, so that, that's we got interesting. That, no, we so got that, that started that as a label, and then yeah. the studio came after. Yeah. Okay. Basically, it just became like kind of going like what you were talking about. Going, can you do some overdubs there or whatever? Can you can you do you know? And I, I still had all the gear, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, we can do that, sure, yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah. And then it just kind of grew from there. Oh, so it snowballed. Oh yeah, no, it was, oh. and it was it was, I mean, it was a weird and fun experience. You know, and you know when you go when you go into the bank for a bazillion dollar loan, right. it's always scary. Well, I'm just wondering again how you're orchestrating putting all those pieces together. There's a lot of components there to to, I, to, to manage. I'm not sure how, <laughs> but no, I, I I've been like what I've been really fortunate with. I got to say is my business partners. Yes, they're super supportive of the studio. Great, and you know even when it was going poorly, mm-hmm. you know they they were like that's okay, you know. And, we get we get it, yeah. And and they stayed with it, and they you know they constantly bring work, do all kinds of other stuff, and and promote the place. How did you so? You know, I mean, you bought gear, of course, and then you started promoting yourself. And how did that how did that work in the beginning? Did you rely on word of mouth we, in the we beginning? Were, we were really really lucky because um, or you had so much work of your own that that well, was it, kind it, of feeding was, the studio. It was kind of everybody was you know it was everybody's just, bringing it, it was a small in. scene, and okay. the, the scene I had up uh, we had up in North York there, it was a lot of early Canadian hip hop. Okay, so it would be like Socrates, Cardinal. Mm-hmm. All those guys, mm-hmm. and so when we opened down here, yeah, of course they were all downtown, and when when we opened, the first act we had through, and again, like you said, those were three month gigs. Like we're making a record; they it's were. three months. It's not like days, three yeah. hours. Yeah, and uh, so we, we, in those days they were three months, <laughs> which is amazing. You want to come in for three months? Yeah. Oh, thank you. My bills are paid. Oh, totally. For a long no, time. That, that's that's what we were like. We had a huge bank loan, right? Yeah, of course. And uh, so the first band we had in was Tea Party, and they did their they oh, did three wow. months. Wow. And then we had Nelly Furtado, who did her. And of course, the, you could charge a lot of money you, in those you, days. You per do good, day. yeah. Yeah. Well, and she could. did her loose album here. So suddenly we were on the map. Everyone was like, that sold 25 million records. Oh, immediately. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. So those were our first two clients. Wow. And so then it kind of just, like you said, snowballed. And people were like, hmm, I should probably probably go there. Yeah. We were lucky. (laughs) What about the recording 
and all the mixing gear. Uh, illuminate, uh, illuminate me on how over the years you've managed that, or were you that smart that you bought the right gear years ago, <laughs> and you've ha- you haven't had to spend too much keeping up with the deep rabbit hole that yeah. exists now that, of new stuff coming out all that, the time, as you know. That's fortunate. Like, like I was a gearhead. Yeah, you know, I'm a researcher and such. So, like when you would go to these great studios, you'd be fortunate enough to work in them. You'd You'd find out from the engineers who were better than you, mm-hmm. you know, what, what I should get. And, and again, back then, what we call vintage gear now wasn't that expensive. No. You know, so like I, I've sold off a few things here, but like we used to have like 35 Neves, oh, huh. a bunch of 47s, a whole bunch of Poltex. And yep, yep. I, I sure couldn't afford that now. <laughs> no, no. Okay. So how about your, your staff and how has that been over the years, the turnover of that? Or have you been lucky? Well, I, I've been like extraordinarily fortunate in that because uh it's funny because um when we first opened you know it was it was like any new business you're like oh my god what's happening we're so in debt you know <laughs> and um so I but had, it is the long tail here yeah, it's a long I, haul i brought one of the one of the guys from the studio i had up north he, he came down yeah um and then i hired a kid seriously who came in from trebis Mm-hmm. Who who came in and was like where I taught for a while by the way yeah really yeah, yeah I did well, I didn't yeah. know that he's like yeah for a uh, year uh, or two yeah. I want a job and I was like who who are you and um, we sat down and talked for like an hour and he was the most passionate person about music that I've ever met oh wow and um, so I was like you can intern here for a couple of weeks and then we'll see yeah and he was on fire so he he. Um, you know, he he became almost the head engineer for a long time. Okay, and he was he was with me for eighteen years. That's amazing. And then he moved he moved out to Palmerston, Ontario, which is about two and a half hours. So he still comes in once in a while for sessions. Eighteen years, though. Yeah, that's unreal. You no, and that, so, I got so an, fortunate. For another you to find another fellow like named Spencer Sunshine. Great name. That's yeah, his, it that's is. his government name. Wow, I love that. And uh, he's been with me for fourteen years. He's still here. Yeah. They're good people. And then, of course, there's there's a whole bunch of freelance guys and a whole yeah. bunch of other people. Because I was already but, thinking that there might be a high turnover of, you know. Apparently, for most studios now, there is. But, you know, like what, what you did for me, it's not necessarily about money. It's about opportunities. That's true. You know, like if, if you're able to mm-hmm. give, you know, the younger engineers like real chances, mm-hmm. you know, that they wouldn't be able to get in their basement or right. or whatever. You know, that, that there's a lot of value to that, there you is. know, to, there to, is. To, to advancing their careers. Absolutely. And have you um, also considered using your studio as a teaching facility? And I'd love, <laughs> I'd love to get into this a bit deeper because yeah. it seems like recording audio schools just keep churning out uh, like hundreds of hundreds kids. Hundreds of kids every like, year. And I'm wondering, like... Where are they all going? And, and you know what? They're in every country now, these schools. And I remember oh, when when I went to Fanshawe, like we were the first one on the, on the planet. Yes. And now there's probably a thousand of them around the world. Oh, so I, I, I don't even know the number, but I know they're multiplying faster than bunnies. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, where are they all going? I, I'm not sure where the students are going. I really don't. Because every, every semester, basically, at the end of the semesters, like I get like, you know, 300 resumes. <laughs> and you're kind of going. Oh, I thought oh. it was going to be. Triple that, but no, that, but it's, <laughs> that's enough. That's enough. But but, but and it, it's not cheap. These schools are expensive as hell. No, it's like they're more expensive than universities. You aren't could they? you could buy a nice car or go to Harvard for a year, <laughs> or no. And I mean, I I do think that there's probably four or five students in every class that are killing it. That yeah, probably have a future probably. in the business, and the rest of them are kind of subsidizing it. And it, I mean, it's a great business if you own one of these things. You're I know, doing, but you're let's doing face real it, well. The, the the world we live in right now. 
with everything being so portable and being able to record on your computer and, you know, Pro Tools, this and that, everything is, all those prices have dropped down mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. like literally for a thousand bucks, you can record something at oh, home yeah. and make a hit record. Uh, I'm just wondering where all these people are going. And I'm wondering if the studios, I guess they had to reinvent themselves. Like they had no choice. For sure. They had to go, well, wait a second. Uh, oh, whatever happened to Tom is happening to me. I'm having people come in here just for a day or two. And, oh, then, yeah. and then going home and, oh, and finishing the recording that, at home. The, the norm now, unless it's a real big budget artist, yeah. the norm for us is like artists are in for a day or two. And you know, the, the odd one's in for a couple of weeks. And of course, it makes running a facility much more difficult because you're constantly... You're constantly, yeah. You know, there's there's turnover and, you know, there's maintenance. Because, well, you know from of course. back in the day, the first day of the recording is always rough. Yeah. There's technical problems. There's this, that, and the other. Yes, and once is. you settle into the vibe, you're going, okay, now we're here for two months. We're crushing it. But the constant turnover makes it challenging. And I, I honestly don't know where the students are going. So right now, the way the business is, because obviously the big budgets went down the toilet years and years ago. I haven't seen it? one, yes, <laughs> in a long time. It's got to be like, what, 20 years ago maybe that the big yeah. budgets disappeared. Yep. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but almost every act coming in there now into a studio now is independent and paying for it on their, out of their own pocket. More or less, yes. And, and maybe it's mommy and daddy paying in a lot of cases, which is fine because, yep, for sure. you know, you, if you want to help your, your, your kid out, yeah. uh, I know my, my parents bought me uh, an organ oh, when nice. I couldn't afford it, afford it. And that's one of the reasons I also got into business. Like they right. bought me a B3. Oh, cool. And, uh, really? Oh yeah, they did. Absolutely. And Tell they, me you still have it. No, it got Damn. stolen. I actually got stolen. That's another story. Because it was worth a billion Fancha. dollars now. <laughs> I know. But the, the point is, I can't thank my parents enough yeah, because they were there in the that. beginning and supported me. And, of course, they helped pay for uh, Fanshawe College, where, again, I learned how to do, you know, engineering and production. But that, that's, that, that's, that's still apparently a very good shop, Fanshawe? Apparently it is. Yes. Yeah, I, I would agree. I hear great things about it. And, uh, no, I'm proud to mention that I was one of the first students there. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to, to touch base on mm -hmm. it's so hard to make it now that unless you have parent support or something behind you, you, you know, it's almost impossible. You you need to have um, uh, money to buy equipment to go out even and play play oh, shows because sure. you're not going to make money from the shows either. You're going to have to yeah. realize you're losing money. So the whole yeah. business is flipped around. No, it, it, it's for younger artists. Yeah. It's, it's so much more difficult than brutal. it was in our generation. It's brutal. Yeah. I don't want to have all doom and gloom here because no, um, it's not, it's not. Uh, there's still obviously there's there's still a viable business out there, and I, I want to touch just on the fact that while I'm sitting here and again admiring what you've mm -hmm. what you've done here for so many years, and you've had you've had literally some of the biggest international acts come through here. We've, we've I been, mean, when I look at your list there, it's actually <laughs> astonishing. I'm going to say, like, it's astonishing who's been here. It, it, we, we, it really been, is. We've been really lucky, and uh, but also, I think, you know, there's a reason, for, you know, that the hard work and yeah. what, what we did. I'm giving you, like, a complete 100% uh, kudos and credit for, like, an incredible who's who of the world's best stars who walked walked in here yeah it would and be. and yeah i mean are you surprised yourself oh uh, i'm always freaked out <laughs> you know like because to me like i think i have the imposter syndrome so i'm sitting over there you know mixing stuff and i'm right. going i don't belong here this is this is one of the most famous bands in the world how am, am I, I working on this you know but i think that's also another mm -hmm. reason to do your best job every day yeah but it's uh yeah it, we, we've been really, really fortunate, and I think you know some of it has to do with location, and some of it has to do with what a lot what you taught me, which is 
The artist needs to feel special. Yeah. The artist needs to feel like taken care of. They have to be in a creative space. They have mm -hmm. to have a good vibe. And, you know, they come back then. Yeah, they do. So, Well, let's talk about some artists for a second. Sure. Any artists in particular that really left an impression on you for whatever reason? Let's say they were super humble and just you know, yeah. incredibly nice. Or, oh, yeah. or are you going to say most of them were? Or There's got to be some that I, I, no, were just No, but I got to say, like, the, the thing that I learned, at mm -hmm. least here, was, you know, when you're, when you're coming up, you know, and you're not working with those artists yet, you hear stories about them that, you know, they might be you know, lousy people or whatever, or whatever. Yeah. And then you actually work with them and you're like, if you weren't worth a hundred million dollars and really famous, I'd ask you out for a beer because you're a great person. Okay. And almost all of the, the ones with, with long careers, the, right. the ones with the one hit wonders, often not yeah, so good, but it. the ones with multiple album deals or sorry, you know, successes, you find them that they're just happy to be playing music. Yeah. So you're kind of on the same page all the time. Like I'm, I'm trying to think who is, well... Nelly Furtado, honestly, is yes. one of the nicest people on earth. That's great. Yeah, if she, if she was working at a bake shop, I'd be like, "Hey, you're awesome," you know. Yeah, nice. That's, and that's so great. Serena Ryder, she's also yeah. Like, I saw again, her show actually. Recently. One of those was things, awesome. like awesome. one of the yeah. nicest people in the world. Yeah, it's all female artists. Mm. Amy Winehouse. Well, like a I was super actually gonna, I, I actually saw that on your list, and I wanted to go there for a second. Yeah. Like. Did you have a chance to chat with her a little bit, or was she just sort oh, of... Oh, yeah. No, like, I mean, like I mean, the, the, the stories you hear... Go like, there. Go there for I a second. Did, I didn't... Like, I didn't experience any of the nonsense that I heard. Yeah. You know, and, like, she was just a nice person who was a great singer. And exactly. came in, yeah. like, did her job. Yeah. And, you know... So you got, you got to watch her in action. Oh, yeah. I did the record. And, like, I, she's, she's back oh. in the... She's back in the smoking area, just sitting there quietly, you know, having a pint, you know, smoking a cigarette, wow. come back, sing another song, crush it, yeah. you know. So it was it was um, a bunch of those artists. Oh, that's like, really special. Kind of made your brain explode because yeah. you're like, like that's not work. That's a privilege. Oh no, like, like that, that, that's like well, wait you a second. Would, I would pay money to do that. <laughs> no, just, and that's I that's, was just gonna say that. That's crazy. You're sitting here in the most intimate environment. Yeah, and somebody's pouring their guts out on a microphone, totally. and you're going. Wait a second. I'm here and I'm watching this. And I'm getting paid. How, <laughs> how did I get here? 100. percent No, and I like I. There's there's many days that I still feel like that. Yeah. You're sitting there. You're going. How did I get here? <laughs> and then there's a check coming in my pocket. Yeah. The the day. No. So it's it's you know those are the magic days and they're not every day. No, of course not. But I mean, to me, most people don't get a lot of those in their whole lives. No. So having a chance, like, who else? Anne Murray, how's that? Like oh, sure. somebody like that, you're like going, my mom is going to think this is really great, you oh, know? For just sure. Like like all oh, kinds yeah. of artists like that, Again, you kind of freak out, you uh, yeah, know? Like yeah. I did. <laughs> I would I sit there and I would have as well if I was, I was here. You, know, you sit there, I try to be calm, and I'm like, I mean, uh, she had a gazillion hits on the radio, and you know, just the most wholesome, nice person, oh, probably. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah, I mean, no, but it's just it's that, like th those opportunities are kooky. Well, let me ask you another question about yeah. these because there's been so many stars come through here. Do you feel a certain aura from them when they walk yes, in the door? Very like, much so. Because you know, like one of the things, you know, a lot of people talk about is what makes a star, and you often have to have a certain something about you. So you've had somebody walk through the door. Oh, hundred percent. Like I, like, like I, like when you, like when some of them walked through, do you just sort of feel like the air shift, or you know what I mean? Or for sure. Yeah. No, it's it's like there's something special about them. Yeah. And it's almost immediately apparent. Right. That's and what I'm getting this at. Is before, if you felt that with yeah, most Yeah, before of them they start in. talking, before right. they start singing, you're just going, something's different. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know? That's and really interesting. I wish I knew that 
30 years ago in A&R. I wish I could <laughs> bottle that and sell it. <laughs> oh, 100%. <laughs> right. No, but they all seem to have some special quality yeah. that's difficult to put your finger on. And even though I haven't met nearly as many big um, stars as you have, yeah, I have right. met some for sure that I've been quite shocked at how pleasant they have been and how inviting like to, oh, you know, Tom Howard and actually asking a few personal questions mm-hmm. even. You know, yes, it's going to be a little generic in the beginning, like, uh, you know, was your family or whatever. But there are some that genuinely remember your name and know that it's important no, to make I, you feel that, that, that's something. What, that's what I found with almost all of the, you know, the big stars I've been fortunate to be with. Yeah. I remember Paul Anka. Mm-hmm, sure. Paul, Paul Anka was in here. Yep. And he, he cut... I don't know, like ten songs in two days. Like he he had a small orchestra. It was crazy. Oh, that's crazy. And um, when he came in on like day two, yes, maybe it was his first. Like he knew everyone's name. He was polite. Knew the receptionist. Knew the hey, how's it going? Like like just a total professional. And you were just like yeah, this guy's magic. And he was like, pleasant too. Oh, he was terrific. Terrific. You know, yeah. and I mean, did a great job. Obviously on the recording. Yeah. But just was a great person to be around. Right, and it was right. You're kind of going, oh, so that's what it's like to be a star. Right. You know, he was awesome. That's that's great. And you also have had um, tons of uh, voiceover work and commercials here. Sure. And I know you've mentioned to me even recently that you had some, um, you've had some really cool actors walk in the door here just to do voiceovers. That's that's fun. Which yeah. is which has got to be fun for well, you. Well, to me, it's freaky because you know I'm I'm from the music side. Sure. So you know if if a famous musician walks in, I go, that's awesome. You know, but whatever. But what, like because I like movies, mm-hmm. I watch TV, whatever. When an actor walks in, my brain explodes. Cause I would like, be like you. I, I like yeah, I'm just I, not prepared for that. No, no. Like I remember, you know, some days I'll be sitting just over at the front desk, and like John Travolta walks in, and you're just like this. Well, that's impossible. Oh, that's impossible. Are you lost? <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. you know, and like Christopher Walken, and you know, people like that, and you're just going. My jaw would drop. No, I I can't I can't process it. No, no. That's so not. I just I just usually go just down down the hall to acting. You stuff. freeze. Yeah. I do. Yeah, you start stuttering. Like I, I, yeah yeah yeah. Oh, I would do the same. No, you know, I, yeah. And I think they leave and they go. That's too bad about that 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 person there. He seems disabled. You know, it's just. It's but but it is it is. I know I I know how you feel about that because I watch you know some of those classic movies too and you know to to see um, a Christopher Walken or somebody <laughs> up close just to even say hi to him and you know even though it's going to be a thirty second conversation yeah. it's it's almost like something you remember forever. Oh, I and I do like most yeah. of them. You just like that didn't happen. And that's a presence too. They have that presence. And I also think that, mm-hmm. oh, hundred percent. Yeah. But I think that my memory is probably better of my behavior instead of going. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just because to me, it's so outside of my world. Yes. Like actors to me are like from yeah. another dimension. Absolutely. The best, one of the funniest ones when we had was um, when when the Breaking Bad show was out, Brian Cranston. Oh. So I, I had never you, seen. You had him in here? Yeah, but I had never oh. seen the show. Oh, it's Like phenomenal. I was, you know, I was always working, doing whatever. And uh, I knew one him from, from Malcolm in the Middle. Right. He was on that show. He was. So, you know, one day I'm sitting out the front and I see, you know, he's on the schedule. I, I don't know who that is. And oh. he comes in, he's got a bike helmet on and he had one of those Toronto, like the rental bikes. He rode here from his hotel up in Yorkville or wherever <laughs> it was. Right? And he was like, hi, I'm Brian. I'm here, I'm here for the session. And I was like, uh, uh, you're the guy from Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, right. And he's like, don't tell me you'd finished Breaking Bad already. This is after No, no, that. no. This was, it was, it, it's a good story. Okay. So I was like, you're the guy from, and he's like, yeah. 
You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, was, he was super polite. You know, <laughs> okay. I got him a coffee yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And then he, he went in. I said, well, what are, you, what are you doing here? I thought he was doing a voiceover what a commercial <laughs> or something. And uh, he went in, did his job and left. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's here for a few hours. Yeah. And he was really nice and nice to everybody and whatever. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, rode his bike back to his, you know, five-star hotel. Of course. But after I was like, well, what was he doing here? And one of the engineers who's been, he was like, it was the season finale of Breaking Bad. And he did, there was, there's apparently one line. I, I saw it eventually. I saw it during COVID because I had nothing to do. What? Oh, you, it I was, just, uh, I had a shiver it was, go up my spine. It was one it. of the, like, wow. it's like, I won. I think it was that. It was the yeah. end of a set. And I was like, I don't know that show, so I, I don't know anything about that. But I guess that's good, hey? <laughs> you know? Oh, and then I saw it later. And no, and the engineer was like, oh, this was awesome. Oh. You know, I watch the show every week. This this is the season finale. It's one of the best you know, this, shows this of is, all time, for this sure. Was, you know, he did the last few lines there. He was in town. And I was like, well, that's good. Oh. I remember Malcolm in the Middle. That was a great show. And the oh. guy's like, you don't oh, know no, anything. You don't know. You don't know. No, 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 no. No, don't, no comparison. No, but it was. No comparison. But again, like, like you said, there is something weirdly special about most of those people. They yeah. just have a thing. Is that uh, world of voiceovers and commercials, that's still pretty healthy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, oh, that, that's good. one of the, good. I mean, the the areas of the business. that, And also, like you're doing, also audiobooks, podcasts, yeah. okay. all that kind of stuff. Those are growth areas. Good. You know, and unfortunately, music is not. No. You know, as far as budgetary. She's a man. So, Darren, I want to open up another studio next year. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) But good idea or bad idea these days? Bad idea. Okay. How bad is it out there for studios these days? It's it's really unfortunate. Um, You know, a lot of studios, at least in Toronto and, you know, Canada in general, Mm -hmm. have closed down. They have, um, including some really popular ones that oh, you would have sure. thought would be would Weather survive. Weather the storm, yeah. Weather it's the storm. Just, it's just you know, as as musical genres change, mm-hmm. you know, as demographics change, all kinds of stuff happens, and it's been it's been a challenging period for a lot of studios, and you know, a few of them, you know, have managed to thrive and and do well. Mm-hmm. But it, it is it has not been a good period for recording. So, studios. what's your secret to first of all? Being successful uh, in the beginning, which we touched on a little bit, uh, so maybe you can elaborate on that a bit. And also, what are some of the prime reasons you think why you're still around and having success? Is it reputation that's that's lasted you as well? Is that part of it? Is it is it the team that you have here where people realize it's a great team? That's a good question. Um, well, in the beginning, it, we, we were just a music studio. That's yep. all we did for four or five years. And we did well at that, but you know, with the the real estate prices in Toronto and rising rents and everything, we we got into commercials and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was, uh, you know, extraordinarily fortunate to partner up with great people who all had different skill sets, and they still continued to contribute to the facility. That's key, of course. Oh, yeah. it was it was. Yeah. Well, I, there's no way we'd still be open without no, them. No. One of the things, but why are you still so relevant as a studio? That's it, it's interesting, but I I think that one of the things is first of all, yeah. Of course, you said like reputation after yeah. a while, but we've never advertised. We've never done anything. It's just word of mouth. Okay. So people say like, I had a good experience there. You should go there. I think you taught me a lot of this years ago. When people come here, 
they feel special. They feel like they're being treated really well, you know, that mm-hmm. they're ta- being taken seriously as artists, whether they're indie artists or, you know, top-of-the-game artists in, in any genre or any uh, medium, mm-hmm. actually, you know. Yep. And that's the kind of thing we kind of hammer home all the time is to is that they the people have to feel that this is a special place to come it, and it feels like that to me right away well, as soon as well, i walk in it's a lot of the artists i mean over the years it's been interesting at least for me because i'm not a performer but they say like i write better here or i sing better here mm-hmm. or i do and so they want to come back because it's kind of like a magic charm yes i i feel that for sure i think uh if i can speak also on the way i feel I haven't been here before, which is strange, but I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I left the music uh, business studio world, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, years ago, and I haven't really wandered into studios. And uh, as soon as I came in here, I was kind of like, okay, check, check, you check all the boxes immediately. It's a funky location, uh, which is right downtown. There's nothing really normal about any of the furniture. Like, it's all... No patched together but in a cool way like the sofa behind me is super <laughs> super out of like a, a broth brothel or something yep. you know like from from holland or something mm-hmm. like you, you see in movies it's super cool the rugs are all all really unique yeah. uh you got the red kind of burgundy walls <laughs> everything is is unique about it so when you you're here you feel it's special and i just had a gentleman come and say hi to me who was in the front you know, who said hi to me earlier. And again, I picked up a great vibe from this guy. And apparently he's a genius kid. He's doing fabulous. That's his, doing his fabulous. And I can pick fire. that that up from him just in a, a minute conversation. Yep. I felt like, okay, if this guy was looking after me here, this is a reason to leave my house. Yep. And that, that's that's the one thing. Because obviously we, you know, we can talk about, you know, home studios versus, you know, pro studios, whatever. Yes. But there has to be a reason to leave your basement or yes. whatever. And... Well, let's you know, let's let's go right okay. there, Darren. Right. To that point, I'm going to ask you now. Let's pretend that I'm one of those artists that say, "Hey, Darren, you know, I, I've been doing everything at home these days. I've got my computer and I've got all that. Why do I need the studio? Can you elaborate on what I just said? No, because but, I just mentioned two or three on my end. Yep. I mean, there's there's a small amount I yep. think that has to do with equipment. Yeah, you know, obviously, you know, if you're sitting in your basement. You can't afford the best mic pre in the world, the best mic in the world, whatever. Right. So, yes, that's a small amount. Yes. But I think that um, one of the things I learned over the years was sta- like staffing a facility. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like casting a movie. You need mm-hmm. you need the right people, you know, to create that environment. Obviously, everybody ha- everybody is skilled. Yes. You know, everybody has to be, you know, obviously mm-hmm. talented at their job. But there's there has to be something special about those people. You have to feel that, you know, they're, first of all, really engaged in your work, whatever yeah. you're doing. Yeah. And I think I think that because of the long hours in this line of work, like, it has to be somebody that you're willing to spend, you know, 10 or 12 hours a day with and feel good. Right. And feel comfortable and feel creative. And, you know, when whenever you're performing, it's, it's uh, you know, it's like you're pulling your pants down. And it's it's hard, but if you, if you feel safe and you feel comfortable... And you feel that that person is engaged. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's an experience you can't have in your bedroom. No, you're absolutely right. I'm going to mention another thing I just thought of while I'm staring at the <laughs> great, you know, control room. But I'm looking out at the uh, recording area, and I'm going also for those that want to record live. And if you're more than one person, oh. 
it, it's it's almost undoable at a home it, studio. Even even almost like, undoable. Even for me, like my home studio. <laughs> yeah, it's really really challenging. You know, if there's more than one person recording at the same time, and you know when you get into a real band, well, I shouldn't say real, but you know, like a band with drums and guitars, bass, yeah, and everything, like. To do that in a skillful manner takes years it to does. get good at. It and you need a gazillion dollars worth of gear and microphones and all that stuff. Yeah. And to do that at home is just not realistic. No. And you can you know, you can bang your head against the wall in your in your basement for a month, or you can come to a place like this for a day. No, that's a very valid point. And I think uh I could be wrong when I make this general, you know, broad stroke of a, a brush here, but I think there's music that people are telling me that there's people are going back to more live situations that there is a, we'll call it a, a slight backlash toward the, what I call super manufactured music, where it's just a, it's basically a computer. And now, of course, don't even get started on the AI thing. You know, what we, we don't know where that's going to end up yet, but mm-hmm. I think there's going to be even more people appreciating a band that can play and you got to come to a studio like this to record them properly you just have to and and it's not like to me still these days it's cost effective because if you spend three months in your basement trying to get this done or you can spend three days Mm -hmm. in a place like this that makes sense yeah but I'm, i'm really hopeful that you're right that there is a movement towards actual playing but there is for sure it's yeah. it's it's bubbling under i i I've, I've been feeling that and people are also telling me that and i've had a few bands approach me recently that are actually believe it or not practicing hard and playing live shows what? wherever they might be yeah as shocking as that sounds and there's more and more people going oh wow i didn't know the bands are still out there playing live that's so that, it's, it's starting to bubble news, under though. it is no, it is there's not like I mean, again, <laughs> I realize I'm news. old, but, but generally speaking, you know, like a lot of, a lot, of, I mean, there's so much music coming out every day. Like yes. when we were younger, you'd be like, you had 20 records a week you could pick from. But 99% are manufactured. Yeah. And now there's a million. Yeah. You know, so like to even keep up on music, but it, it's, it's unfortunately, in my opinion, I yeah. could be wrong, but all pretty generic. You know? Well, here's another point while we're on it. All the records, and we're, we're going to show our age a bit here. All the records from the 80s and 90s, a lot of those, most of them were recorded live. And oh, yeah. guess what? Kids are wearing those T-shirts now <laughs> of all those bands, the fun. ACDCs of the world. And they're all, all recorded live in the studio. It's, every it's one amazing of them. to me. Like, Because when I walk down the street here on the way home, you'll see all those shirts and you're like, mm-hmm. You weren't even born when that band was out, you nope. know. But it's still nope. exciting to because that, that they're it gravitating to it because yeah. they know it was live and that there's some magic that gets mm-hmm. recorded that way. Um, don't get me started about songwriting too, because there's there's still, <laughs> you know, there's still a ways to go be, before I think some bands come in the studio a little too quick. But anyway, I'm going to now shift for a little bit yes. to actually some advice here, like. You know, you've seen a million bands come in and out of here, probably not far off. <laughs> what advice would you offer to some newer artists today trying to get going as as we know how difficult it is with a staggering 100,000 songs, I think, coming online every day? Every day, yeah. Yeah. What, 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 would, what I mean, would you think? What are your, what's some advice? Well, it all starts with the song. Absolutely. So if you can, you know, work really, really hard on your song craft. Yep. And then secondarily, you know, work on your arrangement abilities, you know, and then hopefully hook up with somebody who is like-minded, who understands the genre you're in and can help you with that. 
You should do all that stuff before you ever hit a studio. Absolutely. Whether it's a home studio or whether it's... I see... That's great advice. A lot of young artists now who are kind of just... Because they're so used to the laptop world and stuff, they just kind of dabble forever. You know, in, in like they're writing while they're writing, while mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. Per- arranging, while they're performing, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so there's never any real cohesion. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's always kind of an experiment. And of course, with these days, you can continue to mix a song which I would call a demo, yeah. generally, mm-hmm. you can mix a song forever. You can. And that is, as we both know, that is not the solution to better songs it or isn't. better arrangements. You got to do the legwork before you ever actually put anything on tape. So, What do you think about a co-producer? How valuable is that for artists in the beginning, particularly? I, I think it's, if you, obviously, you know, you try to find the right one, you know, that fits, yeah. fits the genre. And, you know, is an expert at that. But I think that's critical. I really do. Are there bands coming in here without producers? Yes. Oh. Oftentimes. A lot of self-produced artists. Okay. That's tough. Um, Well, I mean, as you know, because you've been a producer and an artist. Yep. The hardest thing in the world is to produce yourself. Because you, like, you know what you're good at. Like, you're like, I've written the song. I've done the arrangement. I've done, I've done everything I can. But you also need somebody, you know, overseeing it. You know, to be able to go, no, yes, no, this is good, that's good, and then add their own spin on it. And, you know, a lot of artists seem to be frightened, you know, of having a co-producer or whatever. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think possibly also it's um, hard to find somebody that has experience. Uh, Unfortunately, Um, yeah, these days, I I think there's not, I mean, back in the day when we were doing it, I mean, you know. It's a craft like anything else, you know, to, to, I felt like, you know, my production definitely, you know, improved as the years went on. I felt mm-hmm. like I learned more and more. And um, I'm not sure that also cost-wise, some of the artists that come in, uh, if they're wanting to save money, they're going to go, well, what do we need a producer for? That's yep. going to cost us money. Yeah. But it's actually going to be really well-spent money. And I don't think you have to pay somebody no. a lot of money oh, these not, days. Not anymore, no. So and I, I would right advise, person, like yeah. you're saying, you need somebody to bounce ideas off of. And sometimes 100%. you just... It's obvious something's not working, and you need somebody to just say, "Guess what? That's fucking not working." Yeah, it's hard to get by that because you're like, "That's I did the best I could. I don't know how to make it better." That's right, and that's why you have a producer, exactly. You know who who can you know take the holes out of stuff and make things a little bit better. You know, ten or twenty percent better is the difference between it is. mediocre and great. So I agree, hundred percent. That's interesting. Songs first, hundred percent agree with that. Without a great song, you have nothing, and as um, one of my close friends would say, who's a publisher, we're also living in an era now where good is not good enough. 100%. It has to be a great song. And I'm still puzzled by artists that come in and want to do 10 songs at once. And they're jumping all over the place. And I'm kind of like, guys, I wish I could just tell you to your face, it's better to concentrate on one or two and make sure they're great. Oh, yeah make some noise and then maybe come back and, you know, retool your other ones. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, frankly, you may have to dump five or six or seven of the ones that you think are, are okay because they are only okay. Yeah, and that's not good enough. That's not good enough. Especially in the singles world. And it's like cluttering up, yeah. frankly, it's cluttering up the world right now. It's cluttering up Spotify and all the streaming With services. mediocre it's stuff. Yeah, so again, it, it's it's a kind of a brutal comment to make, but just everybody I, thinks I think, they're, they're an artist. But I think sometimes that's helpful. Like, yeah. I mean, some people certainly aren't... I'm trying willing, to be helpful here. But No, but some people certainly aren't willing to listen. No. But eventually, I think you kind of go, 
oh, that's constructive criticism. And you're right. I only have one song, not 10. And the one song might be at 70% and better to spend extra time and money and make that 90% Mm -hmm. because then you might get noticed. 100%. Yeah. No, it's, it is, uh, obviously it's a very different playing field than we're on now. It is. It is. When you're also, I mean, even more so to that point, when pretty much all you're releasing is singles, your single better kill. Absolutely. I'd rather be a one hit wonder than a zero hit wonder. Yeah. You know? Well, the beauty of a one-hit wonder today is you can make a lot of noise with one <laughs> song around the world, and sure. actually, it's it's a staggering amount of streaming. Uh, everybody complains about it and says, you know, well, I'm being left behind. But mm-hmm. you know, if you have a great song, not a good song, and it blows up around the world, you're going to be cashola rich for oh. law, for probably your whole life it takes, these days. It takes there's more money to be made oh, now yeah. than ever. But so little time now compared to the old. Like it took yep. a long time for you know I have a hit song that's great whatever. Yep. It's on an album, whatever. Now it's like, it, yeah. you go from zero to 10 in like a week. You can. And it does happen once in a while. It does happen. For sure. But it has to be great. Okay. Before we leave our studio discussion and go a bit more personal, uh, Darren, before wrapping up, who personally do you wish would call you to book a session? So in other words, who's on your wish list that hasn't visited your fine establishment here yet? Good question. Uh... Well, I saw Guns N' Roses two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I would, I wouldn't mind taking a shot at that. <laughs> Got it. They, they okay. seem like pretty professional fellas. That's a good choice. But there's, a, there's a lot of like. How about a Bono or somebody like that? Oh God, yeah, yeah. I mean, some of those artists, you know, like I've never even dreamed of, you know, being able to do that. But um, okay, any anybody who like, again, like a guy like that, not necessarily schooled, not necessarily trained vocalist. But, but like we talked about earlier, there's something unique, unique about yes. that voice or about that, you know, the, the vibe they give you off mm-hmm. or whatever. So it's pretty much any, any artist to me that is, you know, a little bit outside, yeah, you know, got it. but, but doing, you know, stuff that makes you feel something. Cause that's, to me, that's what music is about. Like, absolutely. Like, like if you're listening to something going, wow, that's a really excellent sounding recording. It's very professional. The mastering is great. That doesn't nobody that, gives a shit. No, no, that doesn't move you. No, you know, no. it doesn't make you want to dance. It doesn't make you want to do other stuff or get up off the floor or, or you know. Well, I'll, I'll put a personal one in here for myself because I'm going to see Nick Cave. I think oh, next week. Really? Yeah. When? At Massey Hall by himself. He's in, be, he's coming to town. Yeah, yeah, next I'll week. See that in a second. Yeah. So, I love Nick Cave. Yeah, so I, I'm going to kind of go, if I was you and I had this place, oh God. I would go and camp out and go, Nick, him, yeah. please come in to do anything here. Just come and bang my oh, piano once. Put, totally. Put, play yeah. one chord you on it. You can come in, in here. and do whatever you like. So we, 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 we're we both in sync here. Bono, Nick Cave. These are, these are guys where their they're voices... Are, they're, yeah. They're, yeah, they're visionaries and their their voices just... No, and like Nick Cave is not a great singer. No. But he's special. He's special. You know? He's special. Absolutely. Oh, so, I didn't know he was in town. That's terrific. Yep. Massey Hall solo uh, coming right up. Uh, I'll be there. That's, Game on. So everybody well, saw, now knows I'm a, new, a huge Earl Nick Cave two fan. Two or three weeks ago. Oh, yeah. And it was it was what I enjoyed. It was solo acoustic. It was just him. That's great. Like an acoustic guitar and a vocal mic. Yep. And I don't think you'd mind him coming in here. Oh, no. I'd be happy. <laughs> but it was, it was fun. It was just that, uh, again, the power of like when it's a good song. Yep. Like you can play. Oh, he's it on had a, he's had a few for you can sure. Play it on a triangle, you know, yeah. and sing along, and it's still kick ass. Yes. So that's 
boy. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure you're you're not done with major artists coming in here yet, because as as we said earlier, you have, and I guess maybe we should you know underline this. You have a reputation, and that's gold. Well, that's I mean, gold. It, it is. We've been fortunate, and I think we earned it. But it's also like over the years, like in, in you know the business, like if you do a good job you know, the best you can every single day, Yep. you know, whether it's a, like an indie artist, a big, you know, yep. like eventually, you know, the people who book those sessions are finally working at major labels or managing artists. And they're like, yes, we exactly. should go back there. Those, they, those people treated me well and did a good job. Exactly. So you stay around long enough. I think people start exactly. to think, you know what you're doing. <laughs> exactly. Okay. I'm going to go a little bit to uh, current personal for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's just say, um, you have an off day and you probably never do, but let's say you do and you go home and you want to unwind with some music, which again, maybe you don't do a lot since you're with music no, here all day long. Do. But yeah. what uh, what do you put on when you go home? Music, uh, to me, still music, even doing this all day, music is still my vacation. Like when I, like awesome. when I go home or when I'm down south, mm-hmm. that's the thing that brings me back to, you know, meaning in life and what I wanted to mm-hmm. do. Yep. So what would I listen to? I, I try to stay up on new stuff. I don't think I'm as current as some people. Okay. Um, do you hop on Spotify and just yeah, go to yeah. stuff yeah, like just, that? Like you know, just see to what's top a good 50 or whatever. whatever. Every once in a while, there'll be something great. There's, there's yeah. a couple of good soul artists that I love. Okay. And, then, and how, uh, about, how about jazz? Do you, do you, do you unwind with that a little, little bit? A little bit. Okay. Yeah. Blues, but, maybe. Blues, but, no? Yeah, blues too. But yeah, but okay. I, I got to say that. Or more, you're more rocking kind of stuff. Unfortunately, yeah, not, not Not unfortunate. No, but, just, uh, but a lot of times, like, again, and I'll, I'll be playing some stuff pretty loud and some, some rock music, yeah. whether it's from today or from 25 years ago. Right. Okay. That, that's what gets me going. Got it. And it, it I don't think it's. Well, it, that's great to hear that you're here with music kind of. All day, even though you're sort of indirectly not yeah. hearing it all day, right. but you're, you know, there's, you got artists floating in and out of here all day, yet you'll still go home and you have such a passion for it 100%. that you will still put it on. That's, that's great. No, but that, that's, that's, it's still the thing that like, it, it kind of grounds me. Like it, I'll go home, yeah. like you're saying, you're having a bad day. I'll go home and be like this. Oh, I know how to fix this. I'll listen to music, you know, right. or I'll buy records, or you know, whatever. Or nowadays, yes, uh, yeah, we. I know the both of us still do, and don't even get me started on. Yeah, uh, I'm going to put another plug in, and I do every every podcast for vinyl and anything mm-hmm. physical. Yep. Thank you very much for the physical world because I still read books too, and uh, too. I don't read on uh, Kobo or whatever. I anyway. tried, but I, I'm just not yeah, very good. Not, not happening for me. Okay, so now uh, when you get home and relax, but don't do anything music related, do you have any other passions and interests? Do you watch detective series? No, or are you into? I'm not really a TV guy. Are you? For whatever reason, do or, you go to the gym? Or, um, I, yeah, that's what I do. Do like, you I, like running? Are you pickleball guy? No, no, I don't do that. I go to the not, gym every day. Okay. Oh, you do? No, only six days. Sorry, okay. not not Sunday. That's amazing. No, I always have. My, oh, that's my brothers, great. you know, kind of taught me. Oh, that. fabulous! So I go all the time. Okay, so that's one of the things it's yet that you love doing. Rush. So and then I, it is. I, I go home. I like you know I I pet my cats. I like okay. animals. Yeah. Okay. And um. I read books. 
you know, I'm not that exciting. <laughs> no, but I, like I read a lot of books. Okay. And, and uh, okay. I, I look at, you know, places to travel to. That's oh, my let's other go thing. there for a second. Okay, like, good. yes, because I know you love traveling, like, oh, like sure. uh, probably a lot of us uh, do that. Uh, our listeners and myself included. I'm always somewhere, and people have seen pictures of me oh, yeah. traveling here and no, there. It looks like you're like you know <laughs> rock star. Like, what do you mean he's there? I have more coming, more coming good, up soon. Good, good. What are some of your favorite places that you've gone to and wish to return to? All right. Well, my favorite place in the world is Buenos Aires in Argentina, and I was just there. Yep, you were, and it's it. It is wonderful, and I highly wonderful. recommend. it. I love architecture, and you know, you know, I found that there, like music was. Everywhere. Yeah, I agree. It was constant. It was constant. You know what it reminded me of too? It reminded me of Paris from maybe forty yes. or fifty years ago, exactly. with all the well, cafes everywhere yeah. and yeah. outside and people it, milling that's about. They, and that's what they say. It's like the Paris of South America. Yeah, no, I I agree. It's I a loved fun, it there. Yeah, that's a great um, uh, whatever, great place to go. And yeah. is there a bucket bucket list place you were wanting to go to soon that you're dreaming about? Morocco, I'd like oh, to go to. Oh, nice one. I, I, I've never been. I've never been to Africa in general. Okay. And I would sure like to go there. Okay, that's very cool. So we're now on the home stretch, and I'm going to put I you on the spot. i got one more place. Hang on. Oh, you do? Okay, yeah. go ahead. Go the, ahead. The funnest place. Morocco, uh, what else? Years ago, my wife came here, and... Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't know this at all, but she said, I talked to your partners, you have a week off. And I was like, what? What? She, what? She, so she packed the suitcase and everything. And we went to the airport. She took me to New Orleans. And oh. I, I'd never been there. Oh. And similar similar thing, like the music, the music like, infuses everything. Yes. Like people would say to you, like, I don't know if you know this, but my son is a trumpet player. And I'd be like, oh, that's really too bad. I'm sorry to hear that. Right. And they would be like, you know, it would be like, my son's a doctor. You know, it was, it was, it was really fun. So yeah. I've been there a bunch of times. Yeah. Oh, a bunch of times. Ah. Yeah. It was just, it just, because again, music was It's infectious the there. Life. You know, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Walking around the street there, you, you, you can't help but just be impressed by one of the few places on the planet, I think, you can walk the streets and there's bands like oh, literally everywhere. in every corner, every yeah. corner. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to, of course, move there immediately. I was like, I'm moving of course. immediately. Oops. Of course. All right. So sorry. Okay. Continue. Sorry. We're back. We're back to the home stretch now. Yep. And I'm going to put you on the spot if that's mm-hmm. okay. And frankly, I, I ask almost every guest this now, and, and here it is. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm waving around a pretend magic wand here. <laughs> And if I can give you three wishes to change three things in the current music biz, that would improve the biz for all of us. Uh, What would they be? And of course, if there's something particular that would help studios also improve their bottom line, then of course that, you know, wish of yours is also welcome. So any ideas on just, you know, in general, how we can fix things in the world where the music business is is going through transitional period right now, and there's a lot of people that aren't happy with it, frankly, where it's sitting right now today. That's a big issue. Yep. But I, like, uh, I guess to me, um, obviously, I think the first one would be artists being actually paid for their work. You know, the streaming you mean specifically streaming. Yeah. The streaming okay. services. Yeah. Everybody complains. Are, yeah. Are challenging. Um, yes. You know, you, you can actually have a hit or, you know, a, a decent catalog of work and still be working at McDonald's, which is challenging because you, mm-hmm. you, you can't write your second or third or whatever record. It's hard for them to develop. I guess the second thing would be the current A&R process. 
Mm-hmm. Because the A&R process, as you well know, mm-hmm. used to be, you know, you find a diamond in the rough mm-hmm. and you try to find a band that's going to emerge and then mm-hmm. you give them a shot, you know, and you, and you hook them up with, with great people and, you know, people who are, you know, more skilled than them at various things and you help them develop over a couple of records and you hope that Well, of that course, happens. that doesn't exist anymore, no. which is why you're saying it. The de- no. Developing it, an artist or, or an act at a label does not exist, period. No, no, their, not. their job is to cherry pick, you know, the most popular, you know, artists. It's a different business model. Right. But, but I think it, it, it's unfortunate because it doesn't allow the artists really the chance to develop the couple no. of years that you need to become a better songwriter, become a better performer, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. There's no funding for that. No. Nope. So, you know, the, the artist, unfortunately, is pretty much left on their own. Mm-hmm. So they need to develop mm-hmm. themselves, yep. which is a whole lot harder. It certainly is. Than, you know, having, you know, getting to work with the best engineers, producers, management, whatever. Yes. You know, and you're like, you're on your own going, I'm in my basement and I'm, you know, I'm pretty good. But, you know, they're not getting the leg up, I think, that they need to become, you know, stars. And we spoke earlier off the record that uh, it's so bad that there's people actually working at labels that literally are sitting at their computer staring at data the well, entire day. But that's their job. And nothing else. Their I know. Job, but Their the, job it, is to, you know, cherry pick like... The, but they're literally not even listening to music. They're just looking at a screen at, and showing and showing how much social media an artist has. But that's also what is currently, you know, driving the market. So I understand, like, labels... You know, they're businesses, they want to make money, and that's the current way of doing it. But um, I think your point is, how about both? <laughs> well, it would, it would be nice to have, right? you know, well, if you could pick up, like, I remember when we did the the weekend record here. Oh, and, I didn't know uh, that. Oh, that's big. Yeah. Well, um, he had done a, a record um, called House of Balloons, which I still think is one of the oh, best records Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, times. yes, it is. And that was a, a, a dude I know down the street, good producer, uh, Doc, Doc yes. McKinney. Yes, yes. Great guy. And he did the record, but I mean, it didn't really do anything, you know, like you, like the mm-hmm. people who knew what was going on knew yep. it and thought it was great. And, you know, they, like his label, it was a, t- a smaller label. They called mm-hmm. me and said, you know what? I was like, what? The weekend? Oh my God. That's yeah. the greatest thing ever. Come on in. Absolutely. And, you know, he had the chance to, you know, develop over time. You know, and get better and get better. And well, that's a great example. He, he seems to be doing pretty good right now. <laughs> Holy shit, is he ever? Yeah, no, and he's a great guy too. But it's just baby steps up, 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 up. That's a fantastic example, Darren. Yeah, and I don't think that I don't think that a lot of artists have that opportunity anymore. I'm not sure that if the weekend today started, the, like the way the climate is, is right now, that that that's a valid point. That I'm not sure that 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 he could get going. Totally, I, and I think there's there's a lot of at least in my opinion, a lot of diamonds in the rough out there mm-hmm. that just don't have the opportunity. No. Because as you know, artists are good at writing, singing, whatever they're doing, songwriting, whatever. They're not good at management, business, all this other stuff, mm-hmm. and they need a hand doing that. That's not their skill set. Well, they do. And also, to back you up on that, they also need to sometimes develop their songwriting skills over one album to the next or whatever. Yeah, you it's know, a, sometimes it's a they, they're still looking for their particular sound, yeah. whatever that might be. They're trying to yep. stick out in the crowd, and maybe they're they're going to deliver it on the second or third album, like a lot of bands did. Yeah. From and, from and if if you're so discouraged after your first releases or whatever, you know, you might just quit. Yeah, you know, and I I, I do think there's a lot of undiscovered talent out there. That is not Instagram fantastic, you know, just really hardcore talented people yep. that are not seeing the light of day because of this. Okay. 
You got a third wish left. <laughs> well, obviously, I wish the days of big studios would come back. You okay, know, good, good. I mean, to me, the, the absolutely that's the funnest, a good one. The funnest times I've ever had, like almost all the time, is yeah. in the studio because there's always you're always surrounded by you know unique, interesting people doing something, and the majority of the time. Those people are super passionate about whatever they're doing. Yes. So to me, it's a it's a great place to be. Like I would I would pay money. Well, let me let me, let me put a plug in for for just the studio for a second. <laughs> I'm sitting here, and it feels like time has just flown by. Like I've no. It's yeah. probably like I've probably been here for hours, and it feels like five minutes because it's just uh, you know, and I'm having such a great time here in this environment, and now I'm reminiscing back to how special it is to oh. be back in a studio it is it is special and you know what getting out of the house is also you know i'm just going to say again flat out get out of your house (laughs) you know go to another environment hang out with musicians and other people of your ilk you know talk to people in the front a a rehearsal space wherever just just to get Get out of your head out of your house and don't do everything just on the computer at home in your bedroom well the other thing that that well i try to teach the younger guys here is like we all, you know, you, you want to be as good as you can be. Yeah. But if you're sitting at home, you know, in your basement with, and you buy some new plugins, you do whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, if you are in a studio, you're always working with people who are better than you at various things. And like, that's right. That synergy, like you constantly learn from them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a shortcut to learning all the stuff about production, songwriting, arranging. And no matter how talented you are, if you're sitting on your like by yourself, it's hard to learn. It takes a lot longer. It's also incredibly boring to look at a screen and teach yourself how to do something when somebody can show you the same thing in five minutes. Just what I'm saying, and it's just like you it's know. a trick. It's like this. It's like you know catching a baseball. But I remember when you you were doing Bob Roper, Deadbeat Honeymooners. Sure, you were doing that record, mm-hmm. and I was I was you know big on the the the, the big rock sound then Mm -hmm. and uh i remember uh i was allowed to come over to the studio you were mixing at yep at reaction that's right ormond jobin hey way to go sir (laughs) no he's still out there in the game oh good and um but i i was allowed to be over there we played ping pong in the back i got i made coffee for everybody yeah and the guy you hired dave thoner oh yeah you know awesome i got to to spend a few minutes with him and i'm not kidding like i learned more about engineering in 10 minutes sitting in (laughs) with him than i did in like five years in my parents basement because oh oh you want that sound oh you just do this and you'd be like i I could have never learned those things darren you're so right on my own because um i also remember similar to your story when i was mixing some of the the records that I uh, was fortunate to make uh, for some of the major labels when we had a budget, I would go to New York and I would use um, guys like David Thorner Mm -hmm. um, to mix some of the records. And you're absolutely right. As a producer myself, I would be studying what the hell they're doing there at the board, you know, making little cheat notes and trying to, you know, oh, what's he doing with the delay there and the echo? Holy mm-hmm. shit, he's combining them and he's ping-ponging them and putting it out in stereo but here. But stuff and that you would that have in. never thought of yourself. No, no. And, and you know, uh, oh, here's a big a big, a big uh, actual thing that I learned there. Maybe, maybe it was the first time. I'm not sure. It was uh, Bon Jovi, um, Tony Bon Jovi, John Bon Jovi's uh, cousin, 
when I was mixing a Helix record there, I just said, why are the drums sounding so incredibly huge and explosive? And I found out he was putting the drums into the stairwell in New York yeah, City at yeah. the record record plant, I think it was. Yeah, that's where he, he was. owned it, actually. And I said, holy fuck, that's an explosive sound. Yeah. And everybody was coming to that studio to get that, that sound. sound. And I didn't yeah. know. And here I am, a young Canadian guy coming up there, yeah. you know, and Tony flew me in on his plane, which is another story, which was <laughs> which was really uh, fun in those days. That kind of stuff actually happened. Yeah, uh, I'm sitting there and I'm going... I'm in New York. I'm working with Tony. He's just taught me how to make my drums sound huge. And I started yeah. using that all the time, oh, yeah. that trick. And it works amazing. It's 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 crazy. Because, again, there's no way you would have ever thought of no, that. No, no way. Like, well, there's no way. Well, that's not professional. Why would I put microphones in a stairwell? No chance. You no know? chance I would ever learn that. No, so, like, working with the greats, like, it, it, makes, it makes your learning curve go like this rather than... I'm so glad we're talking about this part because, yeah, I don't think we've, we've talked enough about the expertise that you get automatically when you walk into a place like this. And I'm going to put a plug in for a lot of other small studios too that oh, are sure. that are probably, uh, hopefully they're doing okay. So. Chances are some of those people have, all, have also been doing it for years and are super experienced at what they do. Oh, yeah. And you know what? You're going to cut corners. You're going to get a great sounding product pretty automatically because of the experience they have. Mm. Don't, don't, try to save a couple of nickels and dimes. It's not worth it. Not, not if you have the song that's worth recording. That's right. Well, that's good. We're always going to circle back to the song. And, um, you know, if there's any 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 other way I can uh, uh, overemphasize the word song, mm -hmm. I'm going to because... There is no way to overemphasize that. No, way. there isn't. It's just, please work on the songs even more than you're doing now because as we said earlier if you have a great song come into a great studio or go into a small studio where they know what they're doing at Whatever. least yeah. you no, know and there's there's a lot of smaller studios here yeah i mean unfortunately a lot of them have died yeah um but there still is a lot of smaller there's studios a few that, I, that i'm that, familiar that are, with that are doing well and and most of the people working in them are really good they are you know like and again we'll save you time and money in the long run Agreed. I remember speaking of Dave Thoner. This is, yes. This is, I was making a record. I was going to say five years ago, but it's probably ten. Okay. And I was making a record here, yeah. and yeah. we we much like you just described yeah. in New York. I was like, I don't think I can. You know, I produced it. I engineered it. I don't think I can mix it. We need to get somebody really good. So okay. we hired a guy named Dave Ogilvy, who skinny, has done skinny puppy. Yeah. Yep. And he did, you know, later he did Bowie, then he did all the, nine, not all, but a lot of the Nine Inch Nails stuff. Yes. And same thing. He came out and, you know, he mixed here. Yeah. And he was just like, I, I had my stuff done. You know, I was like, this, this is the best I can do. It's great. Uh -huh. You know, and he would come in and just be like, mm, make like, you know, 20 minutes of changes. And the mix would go from mediocre to fabulous. You know, it's that fast. No, but just small, like little yeah. thing, like like you described with the. Yeah, so, no, you just feed this to this to this to this, and I do this. Yeah, and yeah exactly. Like, so the lear the learning curve there was, was like even for me, like like way later on in my career, right? Like I learned, you know, like different levels of stuff, and then it was it was hilarious because later we were working on something, another record that he brought here, mm -hmm. and uh, he said, "Why why don't you why don't you mix this one?" I was like, "Yeah, I can do it." So, you know, I, I spent a whole day yeah. you know, mixing the song. Yeah. And, you know, he came in after six or whatever it was and, and listened to it and was like, that's good. That's really good, Darren. Way to go. Yeah. Like, <laughs> let me just make a couple of changes. Okay. And, he, and like, he was like five minutes on the console. And, 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 it, went from... and it went from like 70 to 90. <laughs> and I was just like, 
<laughs> making I was making notes, you know. No, but it was just that's like, that's having that pure lab, experience of knowing what to do as soon as he hears something. I mean, it's immediate. No, and he just like reaches on a couple of knobs being and does able this to and that. translate what you hear to what you you need to do. Yeah, and like you said with the, with studio guys, like that's experience. You can't get that in a couple of years in your basement. So. No, you can't, Darren. This has been beyond special mm-hmm. for me as it's it's really been a blast reminiscing. It's crazy because we haven't seen each other in quite a while. Quite a while. And it's it's it also feels, at least to me, like no time has passed. It feels, it like, feels the same to me. It feels like I left Hypnotic like five minutes ago and rode it my bicycle It feels exactly the same to me. I feel like, <laughs> like I'm actually, you know, shot back in time 20 yeah, or 30 years good. or whatever it is. It is. It's a great feeling. Uh, this is really a fantastic, most welcoming studio environment. So I'm going to congratulate I'm, you again. I'm happy that, that it's, we've created that. It's you know. it's it's special, magical, and you know I'm I'm just honored to be here and have you join me again for just having some fun and shooting the shit here. As am I. You know? Okay, Darren, it's been a blast. Thank you very much, Tom. Uh, okay, see ya. Bye. Bye.